0: Recorded live. From Coolidge, Arizona, on this wonderful Mother's Day of May the 8th, 2016. Welcome all of you aboard. We're studying the book of Acts. We're in chapter 5 and verse 20. We've been there for a while. And that verse uh, is talking about uh, the apostles being told to go and tell the people all the words of this life. Now, remember that little phrase, all the words of this life. All the words of this life. All of life can be reduced to expression of of words. And, And so we have gone from there to studying how it was that the apostles were able to do that, to understand that they have authority to do that as promised by Jesus to them. And we studied from the Gospel of John. Uh, unraveled some of the misconceptions of these chapters in John, chapters 14, 15, 16, and seventeen. We've taken time to unravel some of that and look at what uh, how Jesus was addressing those who were going to be his potential apostles. And uh, we see that was the enabler for what they were able to do here in Acts chapter five verse 20. Now I want to go one step further today, and we're going to look at Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one. Now you need to pay attention. Now a lot of people, uh, uh, their their attention span. Uh, this is 2016, and one of the problems with the the year of 2016 is that people don't have. Uh, an extended attention span. They're they're good for about eight seconds, and that's it. Repeat that. even hear that. <laughs> <laughs> what, what did you say? Yeah, what, uh, <laughs> that attention span thing. Yeah. Um, but you're going to have to put on your thinking cap and follow me because we're going to cover a lot of verses in a hurry. But we're focusing in on what we're talking about in Acts chapter five and verse twenty. And that is that they were told by the angel to speak all the words of this life. Now, Second Peter is going to show us the fulfillment of that, and that it was fulfilled by the apostles, not by anybody else. So it is the final tie in that we're going to take on Acts chapter 5, verse 20. Second Peter chapter one and verse 1. If you're ready, take time to find it follow along we're going to take our time but we we need to cover the whole chapter if we can somebody over here whispered that'll be the day but <laughs> well, they said that in their mind they didn't say it out loud <clears throat> Simon Peter a bond servant and and wow. apostle of Jesus Christ now keep that in mind And he's writing it to whom to those and who who Peter is writing to those, and he tells us who he's referring to here we We don't need to be particular uh this at this point about who precisely he's talking to. he's talking in the general sense to those who have received a faith I need to check that article there out. Uh, there is no a in Greek, so I'm wondering what it is <clears throat> in verse one. So t- there is definitely now a distinction between the author and those to whom he's writing. Folks, we have to establish that difference right now. That's the key. So they have a there is no a uh, before faith piston. It's the word for faith, and it has no article either. They have obtained faith, not just any faith, but faith. He's speaking about it here in a general sense. And it's the same as ours. So that's the identity. In the righteousness of God, our God, and Jesus Christ, our Savior. All right. <clears throat> they have received faith something that's receivable, and it was just like ours. Which means that the faith that they had received was like whose? Like the apostles. And we'll we'll zero in on that a little bit later. Now verse 2. Grace and peace be uh, be multiplied to whom? All right, to you. And the you is are those who had already received a faith the same kind as what the apostles had. See, there's not to be any difference. There's only one faith. Ephesians 4, 5. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. That's all. Peace be multiplied to you all. That's plural, not to each of you, but to all of you as a people, as a group, and it was multiplied to you where? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So, where do they have to be for this grace and peace to have its effect? In the knowledge, not outside, but within the boundary of proper knowledge. True. What are they trying to change there? Uh, in in what? Um, well, both of them are in. What is? What is? It, it should be in. Yeah. Should be well, in. What Well, you know, the difference is because through is a process. Right, right. And through comes from the word dia in the Greek, and it means the channel through which something flows in is positional. And they don't like that positional thing because it's the antidote for subjectivism. All of our Christendom, so-called Christendom today, is caught up in subjectivism, meaning that it isn't where you are, therefore you can invite Jesus into your heart rather than being obedient to him and being added to him. You must be in him. In him is positional. And that goes contrary to the grain of popular Christian thought. All thought, even Hindu thought, So grace and peace be multiplied to you where? In the knowledge, in the knowledge of God. So you have, to be, you have to be abiding in that knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, which is the, is the uh, synopsis here of what he's referring to when he says you have received faith. And so now he breaks it down as knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Breaks it down a notch. Verse 3 Seeing that his divine power has granted to whom? Okay, you see, it's, it's first person plural. And as we go along here, we're going to reinforce the idea that the antecedent doesn't always have to be prior to the pronoun. We'll find that out as we go. But for now, we're going to tie it in with Peter as one of the apostles, the representative of the apostles, the spokesman for the apostles. He has granted to us, to them. So where is it you're going to go to find out about life? You're going to go to them. Now folks, this is the most important thing in the entire Bible to get your hands on. What we've just been through. Good morning, Kaipo. You have just missed the most important thing ever discussed. What are we going to do? Shall well, uh, we cry? No, Brother Greg is going to uh, give me a copy of that. He's going to help you out on that? <laughs> okay. We we've got to be in tune. We've got to be sharp here now. Gotta be sharp. Gotta get rid of our cobwebs. So let me let me just bring Kaipo up to speed here. Good to see you this morning. You. Did it rain here like it rained at our house last night? Wow, we had a powerful rain. It was wonderful. The air was so clear this morning. The only thing is you couldn't see it. You didn't know what you were breathing. Um so in, we're in 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're, we're, we're explaining where we've been for the last two weeks on John 14, 15, 16, and 17, as the explanation of Acts 5.20, which is the text that we're springing all of this from, how the apostles were able to know so quickly all the words of this life on just following the day of Pentecost. And that's what the angel was, was telling them to go forth and preach all the words of this life. Now, we have given to you how that took place in the last two weeks. In John chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17. Today, we're seeing how that transpired. So, he's talking to a people who have received faith identically the same as whose. In verse one, as the apostles, he's speaking to people who have received a faith, faith the same kind as ours. Folks, there's not two faiths. Don't ever ask anybody. If I ever do that in my in my presence, I'll kill you. I just soon go to jail <clears throat> or, throw tomatoes. or throw tomatoes. Don't ever say. Don't ever ask anybody. What faith do you belong to? Folks, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Acts chapter 4, 4 and 5. And one God and Father of us all. One author. Just one. So let's not talk about what faith do you belong to. There is only one faith to belong to. That is the faith that was given forth by the apostles and explained in Jude. Verse three, the faith once and for all delivered unto the saints. All right. And then he breaks that faith down as to, as to be as being the, the righteousness of God and, and the Savior Jesus Christ. and the knowledge of that in verse two. So grace and peace be multiplied to you as opposed to whom? As opposed to the apostles. Because they had, they had it miraculously from Jesus and on the day of Pentecost. Now it had to be related through them to the various churches. Folks, that's what the book of Acts is about. That's why people don't study the book of Acts. Most people in the churches have never been through Acts, or they do so so superficially they miss all the good stuff. Is it because it talks, uh, anxious, uh, it's, uh, it talks more, uh, it tells us more about the spirit? It tells us what to do to be saved. Right. And it doesn't agree with anybody's theology. That's why they avoid it. And it I also identifies the spirit not as a person, but everybody wants to think of it as a person yeah. rather than as the identity of a person. See, that's the big big difference, because they're Calvinist. They believe that the only way you can, you know, what, what's the tulip? Tulip is, first of all, the T is total depravity. If man is totally depraved, then you can't expect, you cannot expect Jesus to be a man, because that would mean what? He would be depraved. So, you see, what you think about man dictates what you believe about God, dictates what you believe about Jesus. If you haven't got man right, you can't get the Spirit right. You can't get God right. You can't get Jesus right. You have to get man right. You see that? Got to get man right. So, all of this is addressed to man, mankind. Each of whom are capable of understanding the words, putting them together, pondering them, and getting down to earth about doing what the word teaches. We're all capable of that. So, in verse 3, seeing that his divine power has granted to whom? In verse 3? What? What? Uh, okay, the us, as opposed to see in verse two, grace and multiplied be multi- uh, grace and peace be multiplied to you, and it's going to be multiplied to you where in the, in the knowledge of God, so where do you have to be to be a recipient of grace and peace? You have to be abiding in the knowledge of God. See that's the opposite of of Arminianism, the opposite of Calvinism we're abiding in you. Abiding in you? Yeah. Individually. Yeah. And that's not taught anywhere. You have to be in it in order for grace and peace to have any benefit to you that he has granted to us. Folks, this is exactly what we've been reading in the Gospel of John. John 14, 15, 16, and 17 for the last two weeks. He has granted to us everything pertaining to life. So when they tell him in Acts chapter 20, you go and speak to the temple, to the people, all the words of this life. This is telling us how They were empowered to do it. And that they were the ones, the apostles were the ones, who had been granted everything pertaining to life. That's why they could talk in Acts chapter 5 verse 20. Everything pertaining to life and godliness. It's all done. You are capable of comprehending it. You are capable of grasping it. You are capable of getting a hold of it and following through with it. has granted to us, the apostles, everything pertaining to life and godliness and through what process? Through true knowledge of him who called whom? The apostles. The usens by He did not call you. How are you called? Through the, through the word. You're called via the gospel. As what they wrote is read or preached or studied, you are called through the word. We are called through via the gospel. They were not called that way to initially. That's see, what I'm. I've just got to harp on this, folks. We have to distinguish how the apostles came to this point and how we come to this point. We cannot come to it as the apostles did. We have to come to it as, how the, as to what the apostles said and did. We have to come to that knowledge that way. Even our belief in Jesus has to be confirmed through what the Apostle said, and that's in John 17, verse 20. Right. All right. It's like you said Thursday night, that the New Covenant starts in the book of Acts. That's right. Yeah, that's right. The book, the New Testament begins in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, not even in chapter 1. begins in chapter 2. And this coming Thursday night, I'm going to go back and do a little bit I know you're going to be saying another rabbit trail, but I'm going to do a little rabbit trail this Thursday night that's critical before we take our summer break. And um, also relating to a little expansion on what Kaiple said Thursday night. I want to expand on that just a little bit. All right, let's go back to verse 3. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us. Now what happens when most people read that, who do they read into the us? the individual. That's not true, folks. God isn't granted to you what he granted to the apostles. Otherwise, of what value are the apostles? They're in the foundation of the church. All right. He has granted to us everything pertaining to life and God and everything pertaining to life. How much does that leave out? Does it does it include how to pay your bills? Yeah. That's life. likeness, Everything pertaining to life and godliness, through the true knowledge of Him, the process as you know more accurately the God who is there, the more you can understand what the Apostle said about life and godlikeness. Through the true knowledge of him who called us. Who's the us? Hasn't changed. It's still the apostles. By his own glory and excellence. He called, say, we're establishing, hopefully once and for all, apostolic authority. you probably saying, man, I'm getting tired of hearing that well, when you get really tired of it, I'll just do it some more. <laughs> I'm going to be ornery about it because that's the thing that is broken down in almost all of our churches. Right? Well, you probably don't, may not know that. Uh, but I mean even Christian churches. That's the truth. critical. It's critical. So... We have to really get that uh, clear. I feel that, you know, if I died tomorrow and left, if you got that one thing clear, you know where to go. You know where to go. If it's, a, if, if it's within the realm of apostolic authority, we have to pay attention to it. And what else can I do for anybody else? See, And if we haven't got that established, folks, we have nowhere, no foundation. You can just go, pick a verse out of John, pick a verse out of Matthew, pick a verse out of Exodus, pick a verse out of here. No wonder we're in a state of confusion. We have to have a clear picture. The new new covenant began under apostolic authority, and their authority was supernaturally confirmed in Hebrews chapter 2, 1 through 4 with their signs and their wonders to establish it so that we would no longer need that kind of evidence. They provided supernatural evidence to confirm the supernatural ideas that they were extracting out of the very mind of God as given to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I know, we're harping again. So, he called us, the apostles, through his own glory and excellence. Verse 4, I've got to finish this chapter today, so I've got to keep going. For by these he has granted to us, he has granted to us Oh, you feel left out. Nathan's over here crying, weeping, big crocodile tears. Them great big old eyes like a Jersey cow. Filled and welled up with tears. You left me out. Yeah, that's right. In that statement, he has granted by these by these issues, he has granted to us. And he left Nathan out. Because he used us. You just don't fit. You just don't. You were not with him from the beginning. You weren't there. He has granted to us the same ones that he called in verse three. See, there's no magic here, folks. It's just reading it. That's all. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them, oh, now we got a we got a snag. You see what happens? When you get yourself emotionally, sentimentally involved in the scripture, you always are running up against these snags. Here you thought you were in that us. Now he switches pronouns, and he he says whom? You. Here, now the the us and the you, I mean, some are first person plural, and the you is second person plural. Can't be the same, can, cannot be the same group. That means you're left out. I mean, if you got yourself in the first group, you're left out of the second group. So what's the better way of looking at it? Keeping yourself out of the first group because you don't belong there, and now you can put yourself into the second group. And that's where you do belong. So, are you got with me? For by these he has granted to us everything, uh, his precious and magnificent promises. I'd love to spend hours on that. We can't. We got to move on. So that by them, you. Now who's the you? The apostles. No. No, can't be the. They can't be the apostles. What was that, Lana? Because they were the, the us. The, the apostles are the us, the us. The you is referring to the people to whom he's addressing. And that's those who have received a faith just like the apostles. And now he's talking to us about the effect of what it was that's involved and recipient of that faith. So now, so that by them, them, so that by them, you, who's the you, the audience, they're a thousand miles apart, give or take that through so that through them, not by them i, I I'm glad you brought that up it's not it's not by them. It's through them. In other words, you have to be in them for this to take place. So that through them, you may become partakers of what? Of the divine nature. What is the source of the Christian taking on a divine nature? Being in the promises of this of this whole context, There's quite a list of things we've already gone through. But the summary is, there has to be a motivation, and that is his precious and magnificent promises of those who are in the knowledge of God, so that by them you, not your neighbor, not your daddy, not your daughter, not your grandkids. You, individually, although it's corporate. You as the body to whom he's addressing. But the individuals within that, you have, each one of them have to be in the right place. The right place is determined by whether or not it's faith, uh, came from apostolic authority. That's the key. If you believe in total, uh, total depravity, it's not apostolic. If you believe in unconditional grace, it's not apostolic. If you believe in... What's the next one? T- tulip? Uh, limited atonement, you're not in the right place. If you're talking about irresistible... What is it? Irres, uh, to the, irresistible irresistible grace. grace? You're in the wrong place. If you're talking about once you're saved, you're always saved, uh, pre, uh, preservation of the saint, you're in the wrong place. Those are not godly doctrines at all. That's the foundation of everything that's evil. And folks, that's where the churches are today, even the Christian churches. And I, had, I hate to say that. Neil is finding the same thing in the churches of the Christ. He told me that last uh, week or so ago. But it's become just like the Baptist. What a shame. Because when, the, when you don't believe the right thing about God, you cannot be a participant in His nature nor of His promises. Because it's the promises truly coming from an understanding of God that produced in us a divine nature. Not done the second work of grace, as some would call it. That's hogwash. The Bible doesn't talk about the second work of grace. Grace is static. It's not active. Grace is like a house. Where do you have to be warmed in the winter? Outside, thinking about in the house? Or do you have to be in the house where the heat is? You have to be where the heat is. You have to be in the house. Same way is true with God's love. If God's love is in the house, where do you have to be to be a participant in His love? You have to be in the house. Now, God has made a way for you to get into the house But his love's not available to you until you get there. So get in the jar. (laughs) Okay. So that by them, the promises here, which is a summary of everything that he has said in verse 2, 3, and 4 to this point, you may become partakers of the divine nature. Oh, God forbid, I don't want that. Because that is how you escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. Doesn't make any difference what it is. Now, for this very reason, now we can read through this quickly. I've got a little series coming up on this, so don't uh, get too bogged down on it today. But now, for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. Whose responsibility is to do this? Those to whom he's addressing. God's not going to do it for you. God's not going to tell you what to think. Look at all the people in the world who think wrong. God doesn't change the thinking. Amen. If God was going to change anybody's thinking, you'd think he'd change everybody's thinking. We'd have to have a bigger building or no building at all. we just go to the park. Well, why did he give us brains that if he's going to do the thinking for us? Why did he give us his word that we use our brains on? You know? We have used the very thing that God has given us as his method of communication against him. He gave it. He has perverted it. We've, Overall, days are making way too much sense, which therefore means it must be rejected. Gone to be rejected. I've, I've, I've had a lady sitting right here told me one time, she says, it makes too much sense, I have to reject it. Remember that? Remember that? I may be paraphrasing a little bit, but we get a lot of folks like that. Why? Why reject it? Because it makes sense. Logical. Christianity cannot be logical in these people's minds. What she believed. What she had always been told. And wonderful person. It's a wonderful person. Accepting it, she rejected. She rejected it. It makes it inconceivable demand, supposedly, uh, and you can't make sense of it. Well, it's because it, you can't make sense of it. And, and what we're learning is logical. It, it shows the process of how
1: that is impossible. Lo-
0: if it's not logical, you know, you just have to take it on faith. And the faith wasn't based on logical process. Faith God is. God has proved through his word and through his creation that he's a God of order. That's right. He can not have order without system. That's right. And process and application. And the other big thing to get past was the Jesus didn't die for me. Oh, that's a hard to. Yeah. He didn't die for you. And she asked me about that. You don't believe that he died for you? The Bible doesn't say that he died for you. Why would you tell people what the Bible doesn't say? I wish somebody would start challenging those. Uh, War, oh, yeah. He died for you, but the you is plural, corporate you. He he died for the church. That's Ephesians chapter 5. Well, he died for, he died to end the sin debt for all of mankind. But it doesn't do them any good till they make application to it. Otherwise, that that produces. Yeah. You have to respond to the gospel. That's, the gospel involves all of that. That's a good point. Going back Mm -hmm. to the uh, the lady that projected... uh, We're talking about the same lady here. Oh, okay. Um, She she said it just makes too much sense. (coughs) And I don't see any faith involved. See, that's, that's a misunderstanding of faith. Faith is sense. Faith is the logical system of communication. Faith is the compilation of truth. She sees it there, but she won't accept it. Yeah. So, and, and, <coughs> remember, I I don't want to cast... A cloud over the person, but over that belief system, it's wrong. You know, I I don't want to speak evil of that person, but I want to speak evil of what she's thinking. Baggage, the baggage that she's carrying that keeps her away. You see, all of these churches out there are preaching a truth that enslaves people, and in that enslavement, they are departed from their only hope. There's no hope, because they're believing the wrong thing about God.
1: Hey, David?
0: The sodomites looking at something that is true but they reject it instead of accepting it. Yeah. yeah. I think Mike's got a comment. David. Oh, Mike, did you have a comment? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So in summation here, if I can include myself in this essence, I can delete this uh, Bible program and burn my Bible because they're simply not necessary because I already know everything there is to know about God. Well, now, Mike, I thought you had already burned your Bible. You don't read it. (laughs) You missed my point, Mike. okay but, but yeah it, it just well, and, and this right. is when you talk to these people yeah. that are in these belief systems they they apply just everything to themselves and and it's so frustrating because there's no reason to even have a bible once you're in that in that realm It just yeah. i don't know why why they even try to quote it 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 has no bearing on what they believe oh you're right mike that's that's a good perception. Because there's no pushback, you know, if you insult a police officer, you're going to get a pushback. If you run a red light or or something where you're interacting, but in these matters, there's no pushback. So it just gets wilder and wilder and wilder, and and because that's God's nature to not control us. Oh. That's a great a great example that God has made us free. He allows us to take ourselves anywhere we want to take ourselves. We can go as wrong as we want to see our only limit, the only limit we have to our individual sovereignty is the scripture. You can kill anybody you want to, but what's the boundary what's What stops us from doing that? The scripture. And God has limited him in his infinite sovereignty. He has limited himself to what he can or can't do according to what he has said. See? His word is his limit of his sovereignty because he could do anything for you he wanted. I mean, he could give you ten eyes. He could put an eye on the end of each finger. Don't become a carpenter if he does that. Because it hurts when you hit an eye. That's why he's holy, he's almighty, and deserves our worship. That's right. Good. Let me let me go on here. Let me read this real quickly. We're not we're not going to get done. Did you expect me to get done? Uh, No, because a lot of these uh, there's there's a lot of uh, rabbit holes, (laughs) that Oh, they're just everywhere. He's caught on. on. He's one smart dude. (laughs) Is everybody from Hawaii that smart? Oh, no, no. No, no, you're just a... a (laughs) Okay. Now, now notice here in verse 6. So, first of all, in verse 5, for this very reason also, apply all diligence. In your faith, supply moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in knowledge uh, what control oh. did I hear everybody have? did I ever hear anybody talk about spirit control? What happens when you give yourself over to spirit control? you become an agent of the devil unless it is your spirit. That you are making holy. Romans eight, which we did a study on here, is the chapter that people use for the spirit control thing. It's not talking about the Holy Spirit controlling you; it's you allowing the Word to control your spirit. That's Hebrews. Uh, that's Romans chapter eight. We did a study on that. In fact, I ran across the notes the other day on that. Okay. That statement is uh, yet again exposing another lie. It's exposing the other doctrine of the tulip in that since, since you can't do anything on your own, the only way that God can do it is through his spirit unilaterally. And you see, this is just another thing that just shatters that whole system wrong. It's self-control. self-control. Bring yourself under self-control. In your self-control now... He says, add perseverance. In other words, learn to be steadfast and strong. And in your perseverance, now you can grow into God-likeness. Godliness is like God-likeness. That's verse 6. And in your God-likeness, now you can develop brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. Notice the progress. Now that's a, whole, that's a whole series. Now verse 8. For if these qualities are yours. Now who's the yours? Plural. No. The audience. Those to whom he is speaking, representing the apostles. If these qualities are yours and are increasing. If you continue to sit on the bench and the pew long enough, you will absorb. And the people who do that don't absorb. For these qualities are yours, and and if they are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how you come through knowledge, through knowledge, faith comes to the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ how to become useful how to become fruitful it's not an overnight thing now let me read on for he who lacks these qualities is depraved doesn't say that the one who lacks these qualities, is blind, short-sighted, having forgotten his purification. So he's talking about those who have already been purified from sin. Therefore, brethren, now he makes his identity with them. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you, and about his calling and choosing you, Through what process? Through the process of their obedience to the word, to the gospel. The apostles were called and chosen unilaterally. Christians are chosen and called individually as they respond voluntarily. For as long, for as long, how long is that? As long as it takes. As long as you continue to practice these things, you will never stumble. So what is number five of the perseverance of the saints on the tulip? The doctrine of Calvinism, teaches that once you're saved, you can always be saved. This is really clear, folks. We don't have to read anything else in the Bible. This is enough. That as long as you practice these things, that you are capable opposed to the first law of total depravity, you are capable, or he wouldn't be writing to them. He is assuming that they have the capability of understanding what it is he's saying and doing it. And as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. That's how you keep from falling. Now verse 6, or verse 11. For in this way, now. I, I, I gotta got to quit. The entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be, will be abundantly supplied to you. In that way. Now, he is telling us the way. He's given it to us in verses 1 through 10. In this way. The entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. Folks, I got to quit. I was hoping to get the whole chapter done today, but that did not happen. We will finish the chapter next week because I need to confirm, to confirm some things in verse 15, uh, 17, 18, and 19 and verse 21 specifically, that deal with Acts chapter 5, verse 20. So I'm hoping that this will really give you a handle on this issue of apostolic authority. Father, we pray and request that our understanding will be increased to be in agreement with what your word teaches on this matter. In Christ we pray, amen.